Welcome to the Elevate Orthodontics Podcast with Dr. Lance Miller. Each week, we bring you interviews with the top minds in the orthodontic profession in order to heighten your expertise, boost your motivation, and raise your skills. Join us as we help doctors take their practices and their lives to the next level. And now, here's your host, Dr. Lance Miller. Hello, and welcome to the second episode of the Elevate Orthodontics Podcast. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome. We're glad you're here. If you caught our first episode and you're back for more, welcome back. The goal of our show is to connect orthodontists with their colleagues and bring you some really exciting interviews from some dynamic orthodontic minds and industry professionals. And in line with that, I think you're going to really love today's episode. We want to bring you big names that you know about, but we also want to bring you people perhaps you haven't met before, and I think that applies to today's show for a lot of you. Uh, Dr. Stephanie Rhodes is someone that hasn't been out there on the lecture circuit, but is someone who has recently started a practice, and we have a great interview today talking about startups and some of the challenges that Dr. Rhodes faced and how she overcame those challenges. I think you're going to really love it. The format of the show is that I'll share a short thought of the week or book review. Today we've got a book review. And then we'll go straight into the interview, which I know is the main reason we're all tuned in today. So without any further ado, let's jump right in and get started. Okay, so on today's review of the week, we're going to talk about the book, How Will You Measure Your Life? Many of you have read the business classic, The Innovator's Dilemma. Perhaps we will review that book in the future, but today I want to review a little more recent book by the same author, Clayton Christensen, a Harvard Business School professor. How Will You Measure Your Life is a short book that you can almost read in one sitting or on a long flight. As someone who's down the road of life a little bit further than most of the listeners to this podcast, Professor Christensen tries to answer three questions. How can I be sure that, one, I will be successful and happy in my career, two, my relationships with my spouse, my children, and my extended family and close friends become an enduring source of happiness, And three, I live a life of integrity and stay out of jail. If you agree that these seem like worthy goals, the question becomes, how can we chart a course that leads to them? Sometimes our problem is that we haven't developed priorities, and sometimes is that we don't have strategies to enact our priorities. The interesting thing about this book is that Dr. Christensen uses business theories he has studied and developed throughout his accomplished career to attempt to understand the issues we face in our personal life. These include balancing having a plan versus taking advantage of serendipitous opportunities. And another example is allocating the limited resources of our time amongst competing priorities. One of my favorite parts of the book is the discussion of the two-factor theory, which explains how people think about their jobs. First, there are motivating factors that are intrinsic to the work itself, such as being challenged, enjoying recognition, having responsibility, and personal growth. And second are these hygiene factors, and those include things like status, compensation, job security, company policies, how long your commute is, etc. And no matter how good the hygiene factors are, they can't ever compensate for a lack of motivating factors. And to a certain extent, the opposite is also true. Just because the work is intrinsically rewarding won't necessarily make up for bad pay or bad working conditions. I found this really relevant to our roles as managers of employees and the way that we think about incentivizing and rewarding and 
creating an environment for our staff, which is internally motivating and provides a sense of value, but also takes care of some of the more practical things and understanding that just because pay is raised or other things about the job change don't necessarily affect someone's internal attitude towards their job. Anyway, that's just one of the sections that I that I really enjoyed. But it's clear to me that Professor Christensen wrote this book in a sincere effort to help the readers. The business stories he tells I find really fascinating, and they're carefully woven into really nice lessons that we can apply to our personal and to our family lives. I would highly recommend this book, and I think you will enjoy reflecting on your life priorities and strategies. Again, this is How Will You Measure Your Life by Clayton Christensen. I'm so excited today to welcome to the podcast, Dr. Stephanie Rhodes. Dr. Rhodes graduated from the University of Pennsylvania School of Dental Medicine, where she also received a master's in bioethics, and she then attended the University of North Carolina School of Dentistry, where she received a certificate of advanced graduate study in orthodontics and a master's of science in dentistry. Welcome, Stephanie, to the Elevate Orthodontics podcast. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Uh, your website says you're married uh, with a with a daughter. Tell us a little bit about where you live and work. Sure. Um, I live in Mars, Pennsylvania, which is a northern suburb of Pittsburgh. And my practice is actually just about 10 minutes away from there in Cranberry Township, Pennsylvania. Also, just another suburb of Pittsburgh. Um, I think I need to update my website because I do have two daughters now. Oh, okay, <laughs> um, great. Congratulations. A one and a, thank you. A one and a three-year-old. So they keep me busy, that's for sure. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Your website says you play the piano and that you're a Steelers fan? That is true. I don't play the piano as much as I used to or would like to because of being busy, but have played the piano for a long time since I was in about fourth grade and then um, can't can't live in Pittsburgh without being a Steelers fan. So. Well, we're, 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 we are recording this on the day of the AFC Championship, right? That's right. And we're I'm really a Patriots hoping fan. for a win. Yeah, Uh-oh. I'm a Patriots fan. So, yeah, what do you think? Uh-oh. Well, I don't know. We may we may have some trouble. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, yeah, yeah, big rivalry. So hopefully we'll see what happens this afternoon. That's right. Okay, so you finished your orthodontic training in Chapel Hill, which is my hometown. That's uh, right. I grew, I, I grew up in Chapel Hill, and it's the home of my favorite restaurant, Mediterranean Deli. Did oh, you ever eat there on Franklin Street? That's a good Street? one. Absolutely. That's a good one. And you, so you graduated, and, and did you start your practice right away? Or tell me a little bit about kind of as you were graduating, what you, know, what you were considering there. Sure. Um, yeah, I graduated in May of 2013, and my practice opened to that December officially. Um, I started the process... I started the process of opening my practice and committed to doing that in January um, of 2013. Um, in the final months of my residency, I was back and forth between North Carolina and Pittsburgh looking for real estate and meeting with, you know, CPAs and real estate agents and different things like that. And then had everything lined up um, to start the build out when I when I arrived in Pittsburgh around uh, we started in the summer in in July and August. Yeah. Did you have an associateship you were working at at the same time or what was your I did. Kind of set up um, there? Okay. Yeah. When I first started uh, starting in July, I worked 
two other places. I worked for a corporate dental office in Ohio um, two days a week, and then I worked at a out of a general dentist's office that's about 15 minutes away um, from my office one day a week, okay. and I did that while while I was opening. So how did, you know, tell me a little bit about this decision to, to start a practice. Why did you feel it was important to be a practice owner versus, you know, doing, you know, an associateship full time or, or some other path? Sure. I knew I wanted to be a practice owner from the, from the beginning. It's part of the reason I went into dentistry and orthodontics. It's just something I wanted to have control over my schedule and um, control over I guess the way that I practice and the materials that I use and, and everything like that and be able to create an experience for my patients that I envisioned. So that's always been something that I knew that I wanted, um, ultimately within, within a few years. I knew I didn't want to be a long-term associate. Um, I just couldn't commit the same way, I guess, to the practice yeah. and to my patients as I can, um, when I have ownership. So, I knew I wanted to be an owner and then I did talk to some people and looked into options of if there were any upper opportunities to partner or buy a practice. Um, I was open to those ideas as well. Um, in my particular area, I'm trained differently than a lot of the other orthodontists in the area, um, most of whom went to Pitt for their residency or some other, some other, um, residencies closer by. And I just practice differently, um, different practice philosophies and treatment philosophies. And I knew that I wouldn't be happy, um, compromising the way that I wanted to practice and treat patients. Right. So, so you made this decision, you know, and I agree with you completely. I, I mean, for me, owning my own practice and being able to make decisions, there's something really gratifying about seeing an idea all the way through kind of from inception to the development to like the struggles that you have along the way and then seeing the end result. And it seems like, I don't know, there's always all these projects you can be working on. And, you know, I agree. I find it, it's a pretty exciting thing. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Okay. So how did you decide on your practice location? You know, you, you could have been, I guess, in more urban or rural or tell us a little bit about where you're kind of set up and, and did you do any market research or, or what was your approach to finding a location for your startup? Sure. I was pretty sure that we wanted to be in or around um, the Pittsburgh area just to be closer to family for the most part. Um, my family's about an hour away and my husband's is about three hours away, but this is sort of in the middle. Um, we both went to Pitt for undergrad, so we have a lot of friends in the area. Um, I did start doing some market research and actually discussed the location um, in our practice management class in in residency. And I was told, do not go to Pittsburgh. <laughs> it was on the top five places that they recommended not to go. Um, it's extremely saturated. Fees are very low because of that. It's just a saturated market. Right. Um, but I wanted, I knew I wanted to be here to be close to family. And it's a, I, I wouldn't have been happy going to a location just because it would, provide me with a good practice opportunity if I wouldn't be happy living there. So sure. I love Pittsburgh. I love the city. Um, we just wanted to be here. So I was committed to making it work. Um, so Is yeah. Your, and then, what, how did you decide on like the actual space, like a retail versus professional or exactly what community? Um, this community that in Cranberry and Mars where, where I set up, it's a very, 
um, it has a lot of growth. I guess there's a lot of a lot of new development housing plans going up all over and a lot of families, young families, there's tons of kids. So I knew that, you know, obviously that's a good thing for a new practice. In my opinion, um, there's a lot of people moving into this area because there's new businesses going in. And that was important because it is a saturated area. And it's nice to have a lot of people moving in who don't have an alliance already to right. another orthodontist because their mom went there or something like that. Um, so that's been good. And then Looking at real estate, I looked at a lot of different places like that, you know, the commercial, um, the professional buildings and the commercial real estate. My real estate agent was really kind of trying to push me towards a professional building because the rent is much lower. Um, as a startup, I, I thought it was very important to have signed visibility, and I'm really glad that I did. So I have a retail space. Um, I have a sign. I'm at the entrance to a um, an athletic park. So there's a bunch of baseball fields, soccer fields. Oh, wow. Um, and you have to drive by my building to get to them. So that's been huge for the growth of our practice. People see our sign. There's so many kids and families going back to those fields, you know, every day. Um, and I think the sign visibility really was important for me in an area, in a market where there's a lot of other orthodontists and people already know who they are. Yeah, that, that's awesome. It's amazing how these signs, I mean, there's all these fancy marketing things, all these online systems and whatever else. But if you have a good sign and a good location where a lot of people see it, that's so valuable. And I've, I've heard people, like many people say, you know, sign, sign, if you can get visibility, uh, people just know where you are and, you know, think, oh, okay. You know, I, I mean, it's the same thing with anything. Like, I think I only go to the dry cleaners that I go to because I drove past it one day and now I've gone there for five years. Right. Yeah. So, so when you went to lay your space out, I'm sure, you know, you wanted to create a, a, a nice office. Tell me a little bit about what you wanted the feel of your office to be or what were your goals when you were designing the space? Sure. Um, I wanted a very modern feeling office. Um, I am smaller than, you know, a lot of the offices around here are very big offices, huge practices. Um, but they're older. The actual spaces mm -hmm. are older. So I wanted to set myself apart by being very clean lines, uh, very modern feel, attract a lot of adult patients that way, which has happened um, because it's a, you know, it just has a different feel to it um, than some of the really kid-oriented offices. And then, you know, it is more of a boutique office feel, I guess, that I was going for to, again, try to set myself apart to be something different than what's already out there in this in this region. And you feel like you have you do see perhaps more adults or that your practice is a little bit more geared in that direction as well? I do. I, I think I see more than a lot of the other offices around here. Um it's a high percentage, especially at first it was even more so. Now it's evening out a little bit. But when I first opened, I was about 40% adults for the first year. And now I'm probably closer to 30. But I think we we do attract a lot more adult patients and um, things like that because it, it isn't, you know, I don't have tons of completely kid-oriented things. I have an iPad bar and things like that that kids really like, but it, I tried to keep it simpler, um, right. you know, things like that. 
So what advice would you have for someone who wants to design a beautiful office, but also wants to kind of keep the budget a little bit under control? Was that an issue you faced? Yeah, that's hard. (laughs) Um, I think getting definitely getting multiple contractor bids is important. Mine were all over the board. I mean, huge ranges, uh, you know, in, in the price for the contractor bids. Um, asking other people about materials that they used for flooring and, you know, different things like that that can make a difference in cost. Um, and then I, my office is small and I, I made it small. I have half the building and I intend to expand into the other half, but because I had that, um, potential to expand, I was able to, to kind of build a smaller office to begin with and then, you know, expand over. Um, that's nice. So you're only paying rent right now on the space you're using. That's right. Yeah. And so that's kind of nice because I have that little cushion that I know that I have the option to expand in the same location. Um, but I was able to, to just build what I needed at first. Um, I also put in, which I would recommend doing, I, um, built the office with and plumbed it for four clinic chairs, but I only started with two and then I added them as I needed them when I grew and stuff like that can really help save. I mean, the chairs alone are very expensive. So, yeah. um, Yeah. We just did a renovation in my keen office and man, that is a, uh, we weren't even building from scratch and it still felt like just this huge project and the number of decisions that you have to make. And yeah. I, f- I found it pretty overwhelming. I mean, I'm, I'm happy with the results. I think it turned out nice, but it, it's a little bit of a daunting process. It is. It is. All the decisions you have to make that you don't even think about, you know, just sil- silly things about what kind of, you know, a sink handles you want on your sinks and knobs on your doors and do you want windows on your doors i mean little things that yeah you don't really notice or think about that you have to figure you know making all those decisions but i asked i also recommend if you're doing a layout you know i worked with henry shine and they kind of helped um But mostly I ended up doing the layout and I talked to a lot of people. I was still in my residency, so I was able to show my layout to all my faculty and all my fellow uh, classmates. And that was really helpful because everybody had a tip of, you know, just the flow of the office and how to maximize that. And the more people you can get input from, I think the better. Um, Yeah, I think that's good advice. Awesome. Yeah. And I think that's one of the advantages that we have nowadays with all of our online groups too, is you can kind of bounce those ideas around and really take advantage of, uh, you know, other people's experience. Absolutely. So, okay. So you're, you're getting this practice set up. Did you have prior business experience? I mean, you've got to do things like accounting, payroll, you know, all of the kind of business functions of the practice. What was your experience kind of getting that stuff up and running? No, I had no prior business experience and that. All of that was very daunting to me um, because I really didn't know much about it. Um, So honestly, I'm somebody who I like to find people that I trust and that I you know, believe in and feel that they have their expertise and I, I rely on them a lot. So I talked to a lot of different accountants. Um, I ended up finding somebody whose husband was, is, is a dentist. Um, so she kind of really knew what she was talking about, knew the ins and outs of 
working with a dentist and she has a lot of dental clients because of her husband. Um, so I ended up basically, you know, working with her and I, I rely on her expertise in that area a lot. Um, my father-in-law is an accountant as well. So I bounce things off of him, you know, if I'm confused, you know, not sure of something, but, um, yeah, I just basically rely on her a lot. And as of now, she's actually been doing, her firm has been doing my payroll as well. I just send her the hours because I only have four employees. So it, it just kind of works easily that way. And then she has all the tax documents already, you know, set up. Right. I think that's a great way of doing that. I mean, I use a full service payroll company too, because I, uh, it's not something I want to spend a lot of time on and we do some of yeah. our own QuickBooks stuff, but, um, yeah, I think that's something for a lot of dental people that seems overwhelming and kind of foreign a little bit, but, mm-hmm. uh, you mentioned employees, which is kind of, um, I guess what I was also curious about. So, you know, you're, you've, you got this practice, you're, you're, you're doing this build out throughout the summer and the fall. At what point did you hire your kind of your first employee or, or what were the responsibilities of that person? Was it a clinical or a clerical person? Yeah. How did, how did you, how did you get started with that first employee? Well, I hired her in November, about the beginning of November. It, it was just truly every, the stars aligned for me. It worked out so well because she actually came with a little bit of everything. She had worked at an orthodontic office um, years ago, and then she was a stay-at-home mom for about 10 years. Um, but she had worked at the office for 10 or 15 years before that. And she she was a clinical assistant for a while, and she had also done some front desk. So she, she just came and it was like the perfect match. And she's been so wonderful. She actually called me while I was currently, you know, looking for an employee. Um, she saw my sign go up and she called me to see if I was hiring and it just all, all fell into place. Um, she's been fantastic and she, she did kind of everything at first. Um, I trained her as I was learning. I mean, we did our, I use ortho to edge. We did the training together. And, um, I mean, we kind of both learned as we went cause I didn't know anything about insurance submissions. We learned that together and I didn't know, you know, we kind of just set everything up together. Clinically, I worked by myself, um, for the first nine months. I didn't hire a clinical assistant and then she would, she would come, you know, cure for me or do different things if I needed an assistant yeah. um, with me. But for the most part, I just clinically practiced, you know, and did everything myself for the first nine months or so. I'm um, sure you learned a lot doing it that. Yeah, I did. <laughs> kind of being the being the one woman show and uh, having to kind of interact, do that, manage that whole patient experience. Yeah, yeah, it was interesting. So it it was good though. She, I mean, and now she has transitioned. She's my TC and and financial coordinator. She does both still. Um, okay, but she does. So you, have, so you have four employees today. Mm-hmm. So you have you have your your TC financial, and then I'm assuming you have someone up front, and yep, and then two clinical, and and you know I always find that you know having a team that looks to you for kind of leadership and direction, I find it's difficult. I mean, it's easy to be, I guess, a manager of your business, like to say like you do this, you do, this, but it's like actually lead people or and maybe inspire them to share your vision. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what do you think you've learned about being a leader in the last couple of years? 
It is really hard. Um, and I, I don't know. I think, I think there is a little bit of an advantage there with a startup. And I don't know if it's just my experience, um, or if this is a generalization, but I think people feel, at least my employees have felt like extra committed to the growth of the practice because it's a startup and it's something that they're a part of growing. And I think it's a different experience than walking into a really busy practice and becoming part of an already existing scenario. Um, every time I hire somebody, it's because we're growing. Um, so I'm kind of hiring them as I, as we grow. And I think that they recognize, you know, that level of commitment and um, responsibility because it's a smaller office. So they, they do cross over. Everyone in the office can answer phones and take new patient calls. Everybody is cross-trained to do, you know, a lot of different things. And I think that that adds to their, in a way, adds to their commitment and their um, sense of responsibility to the growth of the practice. So I've been really lucky. I mean, everybody I've hired has just been phenomenal and just really, really committed and dedicated um, to helping the practice grow and doing what, you know, kind of going above and beyond um, to help do what needs to be done to make sure every patient's really happy. Um, yeah. And I, I that's, think that's part cool. of it is, is, is the growth of the practice and they're getting to see, see the direct results of, you know, they're them helping the practice grow and our patients are always raving about the whole team. And I think that that makes them, you know, really feel a sense of pride in helping to, to grow the practice. Yeah. I mean, I think that alone reflects well on you as a leader. I mean, I love that when people compliment, you know, my employees or my, our team, I, you know, to me, that's like, yes, you know, we've, you know, yeah. I, I like getting compliments myself too, but I love when they make those comments about how the whole office feels a certain way or how everyone seems like they're in a good mood or, you know, I, that, that's kind of when I feel like, okay, you know, we are all collectively kind of pulling in the same direction and somehow, you know, part of what my vision is also being shared by these other people. That's kind of an exciting feeling. It is. It is. It's a really great feeling. And, and it's just nice to know that you have, have a great team who kind of has your back and is really working towards the same goals as you. So we, we talked about your sign that's out there getting mm -hmm. people on their way to their, you know, sporting games into your practice. What other things have you found useful to get the word out about your practice? Um, early on, I think the hardest thing is just building your reputation and your name recognition. So early on, I mean, I advertised everywhere. I wanted people to see my name all over. So I did a sprinkling of everything. <laughs> um, every door direct mailers have been really helpful for me, um, in oh, this good. area, just getting again, name recognition, people knowing that we're here. Um, and then the, another really big thing for me has just been, actually becoming more involved in the community. I mean, I live right here, um, church and different organization, moms groups, things like that have really helped me just meeting people. And then, you know, the more people you meet, the more people who yeah. know you and know, know what you do. And I think that has been a really big thing for us, but, um, yeah, the fact that you live close to your practice, I think that gives you a big advantage because all those okay. interactions that you have with people just kind of naturally in your life or, with, you know, with your kids. For, for me, that's a huge thing, too. I just and that's part of why I like living where I live is because I 
kind of get to bump into people all the time, you know, but those are connections that, you know, do prove valuable in terms of your practice as well. Yeah, I agree. I agree. The more people you meet, I think the better for the practice. And, and again, just, you know, we try to sponsor, we try to really do a lot of community events, um, sponsor teams and, be involved in community charity events and community, you know, festivals and as much of that as we can. Um, last year we got lucky and we ended up sponsoring, um, the, the community pool did a reopening because they redid the pool and just kind of randomly ended up coming across the option to uh, sponsor sunglasses that they handed out on the opening and they let us put our signs up. And that little thing alone, I mean, was huge for us for marketing and people saying, you know, kind of making comments that they saw our signs at the pool and they see our name everywhere. And I think that that is really key because the repetitive visibility of your, your brand um, matters. Yeah. I think that I think that's true. So here's a question I guess I've always had about startups because I, I didn't do one. Mm-hmm. I bought an established practice. You know, there, I'm assuming there's this time where you know you're scheduled to be in your office and you're there like in the first nine months, and and there's not like a patient there or you don't have much on your schedule. What do you do with that time? Like, what's the best use of that time, do you think, for someone who's starting a practice and is thinking like, oh, there's a couple of days my, a week that I'm going to be not a lot going on. Like, yeah. is there something productive you can do with that time? Yeah. It, there's a lot of that time. Unfortunately, don't sit and stare at the phone. Like, why won't you ring? <laughs> <'Cause> that's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that's easy to do. Um, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of that time on the front end. And, but you know what, because it's a startup, you don't have anything in place. So there's so much to do. Um, I never was sitting around staring at the wall. Um, and I still feel like I should have done more, um, in that time. So a lot of, you know, the initial ordering actually takes a lot of time because you have to figure out there's no, no past order to look at or no past, you know, inventory list. You have to figure out what you want to order and where you want to get it from. And that takes a long time. And then, um, Setting up, setting up systems. I wish that I had written out more systems on the front end. Um, I set some things in place and I worked on an office manual and that kind of thing. Um, but I wish I would have actually written out some more specific systems. Um, because now I try to do that and you don't have as much time to do that kind of thing. Um, the hard thing with a startup is that things change so much. So protocols, and different things like an event, your scheduling template and things like that. As you grow, it is constantly changing. So I'm always changing my scheduling template. I'm, you know, who does what in the office changes every time you hire somebody new. And as you're growing, um, people have less time to do certain things and more time to do others. So there's a lot of shuffling of responsibilities and you kind of have to be fluid and willing to, to change all of that as you go. Um, but I think really sitting in and working on systems and solidifying your vision, you know, exactly what you want the practice to look like and how you're going to deliver that experience so that you have a game plan, um, I think is really important. The other thing is I spend a ton of time going to dentist offices and taking treats and going to lunch and doing that kind of right. thing. And, um, you know, doing it yourself versus sending a staff, I think 
really um, helps helps make a difference because then not only the dentist but their staff is at, is meeting you a couple of times and and I think that really helps too. Yeah, absolutely. When I got to town, I I tried to go around a lot, and and I haven't as much recently. But that's definitely something I need to get out there, with, you know, myself into the offices. You know, we we make deliveries, but um, you know, I think that's a good thing if you've got time to get your 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 own face in front of dentists and their and their teams. I think it's important. Yeah, yeah. I did lunch and learns too. I thought those helped. Yeah. I think those are. I think those are good. I've done. I've done some of that as well. So it's it's three years now since your practice is open. Correct. Okay, so yeah. 2017. Kind of where are you at now? How where do you feel like your practice is, and do you have any goals for 2017? Or yeah, how are we a little bit further down the road now? Yeah, um, we've grown a lot. The first year, I think, is hard. No matter what, um, we were really spotty. Never knew what was going to happen month to month. Um, the second year we got more consistency and, you know, starts and everything like that. And then last year, um, we, we really hit a growth spurt at, at the end of two years. And, um, last year we doubled the number of starts from the previous year. So that was a big, you know, that was kind wow. of a nice growth spurt and, um, you know, increase in, in consistency and referrals from patients and dentists and things like that. So that was kind of a nice part to hit. Um, and then this year I'm hoping, hoping we can continue the momentum because it was such a, a nice jump last year. And I, I don't think we'll do that again. Um, but I'd like to try to, I'm, I'm shooting to do like another, you know, 150% growth if we can. Um, so yeah. we're trying, trying to keep growing. Um, we did initially the number of starts I thought I'm kind of evolving in the type of practice I thought um, specifically that I was hoping for. I wanted to stay really pretty small um, and try to start raising my fees and be more boutique. And I don't want to become a huge, hugely busy, you know, factory practice like a lot of the ones in this area are similar to that um, model. And I really don't want to go there, but um, I, I definitely think we're going to, hopefully, um, end up being bigger than I initially intended. And, and I, I don't think I, in this area, I'm able to necessarily raise my fees as much, um, and, and do it that way. But I think we'll probably meet in the middle somewhere. But last year I hit where I thought I wanted to be at my final goal for starts. And, and I think we're going to, well, we will hopefully be, be more than that. So we're getting there. Yeah, That's, that's fantastic. Yeah. Good. Well, just kind of to wrap things up, I mean, if someone was was nervous about starting to practice or, you know, was kind of unsure, what what advice would you give them to kind of help them get the confidence they need to kind of make it through this process that you've been through? Sure. Um, it's scary. And it is. There are times where I would sit and think, oh, my goodness, what what did I do? <laughs> because you don't know on the front end. I mean, you don't know where your first patient's going to come from, and you don't know if you made the right decisions on how you set things up or, you know, your location. Um, but I, I really believe it is completely worth it if there's an area you want to be in and, you know, it's and that's where you want to be to set up a practice. Um, you get to set up everything exactly the way that you want it to be. Um, you don't have to worry about changing things or managing staff that you maybe wouldn't have hired. 
um, and dealing with that aspect of it. And you can pick everything and lay it out from the beginning the way that you want. Um, you don't have any negative experiences from a past doctor to deal with and anything like that. So it's scary, but I think it's definitely worth it. You just have to be patient, which is hard to do because it does take a while to hit the growth spurt. It does take a while to get patients in the door and knowing that you're there and, um, recognizing your reputation and things like that. So it's just time, um, you know, time and patience, but I really think it's worth it. And it is a really nice sense of pride to see something that you built from the ground up, you know, growing and people are happy and it, it's a really great feeling, um, to be able to provide that to patients. I think it's awesome. I, I love how you say, you know, that it's, it is a little bit scary. And I think for a lot of people, who come and like maybe take a look at what you're doing today and say, Oh, look at this successful practice. And it's, it's almost like they can't comprehend that there was a time when you were kind of nervous. And, you know, it, I always think about that, that, you know, when, when, when you reach that level of accomplishment, no one sees that, but I appreciate you sharing that because I think, you know, for someone on the other end, having to go through it, those are real concerns. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for spending some time here. I think your story is is awesome. Thank you for being on our on our show. If anyone wants to follow up with you, um, can they do so on Facebook, contacting you, or if they have any questions? Sure, absolutely, absolutely. It's um, Stephanie Golubek Rhodes on Facebook. Well, thanks again. Congratulations on getting this practice up and running, and thanks for sharing these uh, tips here with our audience. Have a great day. Thank uh, you. Go Patriots. Thanks for having me. Go Steelers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Good luck. <laughs> Bye. Hey, guys. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Dr. Stephanie Rhodes. And I really hope that you're getting a lot out of these interviews. I feel like I'm learning so much just conducting the interviews. So I hope you guys listening in are learning a lot as well. Have a great week. We will see you back next time. Thank you for listening to the Elevate Orthodontics podcast. For more episodes, subscribe on iTunes or visit our website at elevateorthopodcast.com. Tune in next week for another great episode.